a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Dallas Supercross Review Pod. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Kind of a crazy night, 250 Supercross East kickoff in Dallas, and we are going to recap it and talk about it from the uh, penalty issued after the race to Tomax domination to that first turn crash to Hanny. Timmy Ferry was there. Lots to talk about when it comes to the Dallas Supercross. But first up, Fly Racing, Weston Pike, Blake Baggett. Baggett got another podium, third in a row, wearing Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out. The F2 Carbon Forge helmet, the one that you see in your dealer, is the exact same one that the guys are wearing uh, every weekend out there. Uh, and Pike even has a signature helmet. So please check it out. Ride safe, ride smart with Fly Racing. We also want to thank the folks at Alpine Stars. I love my Tech 7s. Uh, they're fantastic. The Tech 10 boot is the benchmark boot in motocross. The Tech 10 further advances the innovations that make it the most technical motocross boot ever. I got a tour of Alpine Star Factory. I can vouch for that. It's pretty pretty damn cool how they build those. Alpine Stars protects. And please check out the A4 Chess Pro. A4 Chess Pro also from the folks at Alpine Stars. And Max's tires. Uh, the MXST tire is coming out real soon. It's developed by The King. Jeremy McGrath, uh, from your bike to your truck and almost everything in between with wheels, Max's Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. Maxis.com, M-A-X-S-I-S.com. Thanks to uh, those companies for making this show happen, and thanks to you people for listening. All right, let's dive into uh, Dallas and everything that, that went on. Fly Racing, Maxis, and Alpine Stars. First up on the line, he was in Dallas. He was back after a two-race stint, uh, not going to the races. He's my boss at RacerX Online. Screw me on the Eddie Hicks story. The Jason Wygant. Yeah. What's up, Weege? Yeah, Eddie Hicks story is too good. Uh, we need to hold it and uh, use it more prominently. Uh, we're working on the next issue of the magazine. Uh, we had a uh, Justin Barsha feature uh, in the works. Um, I feel like that story has just changed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So maybe we'll right? just put Eddie Hicks in the mag. How do you feel about that? Uh, no, no, not at all. I don't like that. It's not. It's not you relevant. It's not timely. The Eddie Hicks story is 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 garbage, and it needs to run right away. That's Steve, how I feel. You poured your heart and soul into it. I'm just trying to, you know, use to give this story the proper spotlight. You just don't seem to care about stop. your own story. I'm very confused. Stop give putting. It the, give it the spotlight. Stop putting private text messages on exhaust. 
Stop that. Oh, it was so good. Oh, so boy. good. Um, hey, by the way, too, we are running a feature where you get to hang out with myself and Wygant or uh, JT uh, if you subscribe to RacerX Online. So go to the magazine uh, website and uh, check it out. Subscribe. Enter to win if you want to hang out at the races for, I don't know, an hour or so. And uh, we cool little contest. We did it last year. So please check out the magazine uh, ASAP. Also, We're trying to get more interactive. I, I even did uh, Facebook Live from the press box, but out of the three of us, one of us was not into it. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's dumb. Um, also on the line uh, from FlyRacing.com, he was also in Dallas, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Yeah, Weej, uh, didn't you notice how all of a sudden busy he was? You know, normally, like, during the race, it's not the most busy time of our lives, like, when the action's actually going down. Uh, and Steve was just mysteriously plugged into his computer and super busy, way too busy for Facebook Live or, you know, actually helping out RacerX Online or anything like that. Oh, he was – the only other time I've ever seen Steve so busy was this one time uh, at lunch when he was just pounding down this burrito <laughs> and just could not interact with someone. There was yes. someone – and for some reason, this burrito just had Steve's full focus and attention. He could have locked in on it. Yes, yes. Listen – Was it a big li- burrito? Listen, I, I – I, I do all these stupid shows and I write the columns. I don't need Facebook Live and my I don't need I don't care. It's dumb. So, you guys keep doing it. It's cool if you, people like it, but I don't need to be on it. I don't need to express my There's, thoughts right there. Steve has the weirdest biases. It could be the most random thing. He could be into every other aspect of media, radio, television, you know, all these shows and then Facebook Live, nope, that's dumb. I'm out. Yeah. For no real reason. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, well, I have my principles. I have my principles. All right, let's get into... uh, Would you care to define those? Because I don't think there's any definition to them. That's my point. Listen, did Gandhi define his principles? No. Did Martin Luther King define his principles? No. Hundreds of quotes. You just knew what those men stood for, like myself. And that's that's it. what we don't know what you stand for. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. Let's get into Dallas, okay? All right. Can we do that, please? Um, let's do that. Lots to talk about when it comes to uh, Dallas. Uh, let's start 250s. You guys want to start 250s because it's just, you know, let's do that. Um, sure. Natural progression. Sure. Yeah, why not? It's the first round of the East opener. So Osborne wins. But all day long, it was a Marty Davolo show. Marty was so good in practice, so good in the like in the heat. He was gone. See you later. First turn comes and Josh Osby. I mean, look, it's racing. Anything can happen. I watched it twice, the replay a couple times, and I watched it at the stadium a couple times. Come on, Josh Osby. Right, JT? Like, come on. So if there's a blame pie. Yes. How much do we blame on Josh Osby, and how much do we blame on Hoosier Tires? <laughs> I don't know if that's what they're using. I cannot confirm that for sure. I've never seen a Hoosier motocross tire. Well, that's what like I'm if, saying. I don't if know. they are using one, we've got to blame someone on that. If not, then all bets are off, and Osby, yeah, he really screwed up. Right? Like, what do you – like, he just ran it up the inside, just – come on, man. And Marty wasn't happy on his Instagram either. Marty was, as he probably should be. Yeah, I mean that's part. It's part of racing. A first turn is uh, yeah. it's dangerous. You get somebody in there with one bad decision, and it can domino just like it did and take out take out you know a series oh. for you know he's basically screwed now. He's twenty six points down or twenty five points down. Yeah, with one one ill time decision by someone who's not even relevant in the series. 
It, it just it, you got to be a little smarter than that. I, I don't know Josh at all, Osby. I had him in fantasy. You know what I mean. So I was team Josh Osby. But you got to be a little smarter than that. Like from the, from watching the replay, he he just just that's it. I'm going. You know, I can't stop. I'm going too fast. Like I don't know. Um, but Marty was great. Weege before the gate drop for the main event, I turned to you and I said, Marty's got this right. And and you you were not a believer. I said no, man, because usually with Marty, when it's going this good, that's when disaster strikes. <laughs> and I, yes, and I haven't had the time yet to go research, but he's won, what, four or five of these races now? He's, four. It, yep. Okay, yeah, it took him forever to finally get over that hump. But once he d- did, he's won you know, fairly consistently now, four wins in the last three years or whatever. But I bet you if you go back, those dominant nights, those – Dominating practice, dominating his heat. I don't feel like those were the nights where he got those wins. Right. I don't know what this swirling vortex of bad luck this dude has is, but yeah, this one. A lot of times he'll nail the start, and then in the main he'll blow the start. But this time he didn't even do that. He had the whole shot. He was going to get the whole shot. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> the anvil fell on Marty again, and it's not even his fault. Uh, nope. But he was great. Like. He was a JT. I think he would have won. I think if Marty gets the lead right there, he, it's gone. It's over. Um, yeah, maybe. I, you know, I, I don't know if he would have beat RJ because I've watched the start a bunch of times, and it looks like RJ was still going to have the whole shot either way. Uh, so I think it really depends on that exact dynamic. If RJ is in front of him and doesn't let Marty do what Marty does, which is sprint at the beginning and get a gap, then maybe he's, he doesn't build a big enough lead and, you know, just like RJ, he gets reeled in or, or RJ holds him back enough where Zach can, can still catch him. But if somehow Marty gets to the front on that first lap around RJ and he can put in, you know, six or eight laps of his pace, yeah, he probably wins, especially with, you know, Zach falling over and giving him an even larger gap before halfway. Yeah. Yep. Um Hey, speaking of Osborne, he won. He said he uh, felt nervous a little bit in the day. He, you know, he didn't. He didn't. Wasn't fastest qualifier. He didn't win the heat. Um, but uh, he was. We, he was dominant in the main event. I mean, he, again, he looked like he could take any line he needed. He came up short on a few jumps and just scrubbed the third one. It just he was dominant. Um, he was great. He, he was in another league and, and and he won the main event even with a fall. So, good luck, everybody. <laughs> Good luck, everybody else. It's really hard to describe. He was both dominant, but at the same time, not as dominant as I thought he would be. And I think you have to be fair and say that Ferrandis and Marty, I think, were the two fastest guys in practice pretty much generally. They had no shot. They were wiped out in the first turn. And Jordan Smith was wiped out in the first turn, too, and we know he's capable also. So he didn't have to really race those guys. Uh, yes, once he got rolling from fourth or fifth place after the fall, he, he did eat those guys up. And it is something we've noticed in Zach the last year or two. The dude can just turn anywhere. No rut, no berm. Just pick any part on the track, and I'll just turn. And then he will then pass you. Sometimes he has to get extra aggressive to do it. But in general, he's become really good at passing dudes, mostly because the starts are not consistent. But I, it wasn't still as dominant as I thought it would be. And had Ferrandis Smith and... Marty not got down in the first turn. I don't know if we'd be saying how dominant he was. I mean, they had him covered no. speed-wise, at least in practice. Yeah, but I feel like he stepped it up for the for the main event, and that's what we would have saw regardless. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. Know. I agree, but running down Hampshire, who by his own admission, Hampshire was not riding good, even though he was in the lead. Yeah, eating up Hampshire is not eating up. Smith, Ferrandis, and Davalos, maybe. I don't know. We'll never know now. But I don't think it wasn't what I expected to be honest. He won, but 
It wasn't what I expected. I uh, wow, jeez! I thought he was excellent. I thought he was excellent. I know, but it was Sean Cantrell on his first Supercross, and Hampshire, who admitted he wasn't riding good. That's who he ate up. Yes, he was dominant over them, but you've got three of the other favorites in the series were all down in the first turn. He f- crashed in the main, and he still won. He was still ahead of him when well, he got up. Well, still, though. Yeah, I, I, I think what Weege is alluding to is he wasn't very polished all day. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't that fast in practice. No, I know, but I, you know, I know. I said but that, that, but I'm saying... Part of it, I mean, for... For a guy coming off of, you know, he's the reigning champ, he's the reigning outdoor champion as well, to come in and basically struggle all day. You know, the heat race wasn't, he got second, but it wasn't that impressive. Struggle all day. Struggle all day. I mean. From what I expected, yes, I would consider that struggling, yes. From what I expected, I'm not saying it's struggling for most people, but from what I expected out of him, I thought he struggled most of the day. He was he was a forty nine seven four a forty nine four seven five was the number one qualifying time. He was a forty nine five one one. I mean, I I I don't know, like forty eight seven. No, forty nine. So, so I, he was the fastest. No, he was third. He was third overall okay. in qualifying. Okay, he was. Everybody okay. was in a forty nine second range. Okay, and he was forty nine. He was Marty was forty nine four. Dylan was forty nine four nine. He was forty nine five one. He was third overall in qualifying, and I don't know. I just I know what you guys are saying. Absolutely, I know what you're saying. Where the the you know Ferrandez and Marty especially will looked great all day. But yep. I thought I thought Zach in his main event really stepped up his game. Like well, he he was he was super resilient. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I, he you know I just I didn't think he looked all that great in practice. Like his time wasn't terrible, as you said, but I didn't think he looked great. I thought he looked pretty, you know, rough around the edges. He wasn't as fast as those guys. He didn't just ju- he didn't jump off the page by any means when I was watching him ride. And then in his heat race, you know, he really wasn't really close to Marty at all. Marty was kind of gone. And then in the main event, he, he made mistakes. He crashed on his own. But, you know, he did what champions do. And what we've seen from him is he found a way to win. Uh, but I, I do think there's some credence in what Weech said is that, you know, the guys that we really thought he would have to battle for this title weren't in it. And that's that's not Zach's fault. I'm just no, saying. No, but had they I'll, been in it, had Ferrandis and Marty got the whole shot, I don't think Zach would have won that race. No, he was beating everybody but Marty. He was good. He was really maybe, good. Maybe so. Right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so. I'm just saying from what I expected. That's my own personal expectation. Jeez, wow, I'm tough, saying tough he was crowd. A little bit underwhelming from what I thought I would see. He was still great. Tough. He won the race. He deserved to win the race. I just thought he would dominate. Tough crowd. Fly racing zone. Zach yeah, Osborne. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I, well, I, I thought. Well, I, it's just what I expected. I mean, he won. What are you going to take away from him? I just thought it would be a dominating performance, and I really think it was that. Um, all right. Uh, it is It is tough to take much away from this race as far as, like, Jimmy D. Colt Nichols got second in an amazing ride. Uh, he wasn't even sure he was going to race. And Jimmy D. gets third, his first ever podium. Hampshire leads a bunch of laps. But it's still, we, it's hard to take much away with, with Marty and Jordan Smith and Dylan Ferrandez and Austin Forkner, all, you know, and by the way, I didn't see the Osborne on Forkner. Forkner was upset. Did either one of you look at it again? I did end up seeing it. Uh, it's hard to say. I, I, it wasn't, I mean, Forkner told me that he was straight, just blatantly cleaned out. Yeah. Uh, he was hit by Osborne, and he did go down. But I think the problem is that, uh, you know, if you're Forkner, you don't even see him. Like, he's just on your left side, like behind you, behind your foot peg, and you get hit. Yeah. 
Uh, and so all you know is I didn't even see anybody, and I'm on the ground, and then he goes riding by. It wasn't – we saw Pike uh, on Marvin in that same corner in a heat race, if you remember that. Yeah. I don't feel like it was quite that level. But did he hit Forkner, and did Forkner crash? Yes. Um, you and Cowie, Cowie guys should be all right with that. We each, huh? Oh, they love Osborne. They yeah. love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitch, huge Osborne fan. <laughs> right. Bobby, yeah. Big I'm fan. surprised he's not negotiating to sign him. <laughs> oh, boy. Um yeah, it, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice it. Um, so it's, but it's hard to tell. Like Jordan Smith rode really well, um, and even torpedoed Jmart at the oh, end. Oh yes, exactly. The Forkner wasn't that level. Right, right. Oh God. <laughs> um, and and again with with Marty and Dylan, like we we don't have any great takeaways as far as like okay, this is it. We got we got one more week. We got another week now. We gotta kind of wait and see. Because Fernandez was great and Marty was great, but and Jordan and everything. So it'll be great. It'll be interesting to see this weekend Tampa uh, if everybody gets out. What happens? Because um, well, maybe you know, I think the the most important thing here was I think everyone going in with if you're going in and you're game planning, how do I beat Zach Osborne? Uh, letting him win the first one and everyone DNFing is not the way to start this thing. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> uh, you know everything that they wanted to do to put pressure on Zach and put him in a you know. a a situation where he's the one stressing, they basically did none of that. They took everyone out, all the main contenders had a bad race, and he won, and he's yeah. got this cushion already where he doesn't have to push the envelope yeah. already. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, J-Mart was down. J-Mart was not really great all day, but he was down in the first turn, too. Just throw another name. Just throw another name in there. Yeah. yeah. So J-Mart, Smith, Forkner, Ferrandis, and Marty all were down on the first lap. Yeah, yeah, Forkner right. later Jeez. on. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know, right? No, it's um, so you know, great. I mean, you've got twenty plus twenty plus point leads on some of these guys already after round one. Yeah, you know, great, yeah. great job for Colt Nichols and Jimmy D. But you know, you have to forgive me if I'm got my hands up going. Ah, let's just see, <laughs> right? So uh, those guys rode great though, for sure. You got to be stoked if you're Jimmy D. First ever podium and uh, first team, first ride with the team and everything. Good job to uh, JGR and and Jimmy D. Very popular rider. Um, Jimmy D was good, you know, all day. Oh, he you was. Know, he did ride well yep, in practice, he was. too. Yep. Yep. Every yeah. time uh, he needed to be back on that on the top five, he was doing it. Yeah, he was yep. very, very good. Uh, I, I was underwhelmed by J-Mart all day, you guys. I just I, I thought the 450 – I thought his 450 Supercross would help him a little bit, and I just kept waiting, you know? Just Man, like, I don't know. I, I just have not seen anything. I haven't seen it, and it's been a while. It's, it's really been a while since I've seen anything to make me think this 250 Supercross thing is going to happen for him. Yeah. And even on the 450, I mean, he wasn't great. You know, Daytona was great a year ago. Yeah. But these West Coast rounds weren't anything. You know, okay, he was riding around 10th, 11th, 12th, no big deal. That's that's fine. But something standout where he's going to come in and win the 250 class, I just haven't seen it yet. I'm not saying he won't win something. I just haven't seen it. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, after the race, Geico guys weren't happy with, with Jordan Smith at all. Yeah, they shouldn't be. Yeah. They shouldn't be. That was, I mean, for you're going for, you know, sixth or seventh place or whatever it was. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a little bit, a bit over the line. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. But. No, I think I agree. Um, he was he was NFG for sure, riding up through the pack. And RJ Hampshire uh, fell. Um, it's pretty amazing that he didn't get a podium. He came to the press conference, so why can't? He was bummed, but props for him for showing up. You know, he let yeah. he led uh, yeah, he led uh, however many laps he led thirteen laps he led, and got fourth like like a Cole Seely ride. 
Yeah, RJ didn't look sharp to me in practice or anything. Um, you know, these practices at the first race of the year, any class, including this one, I feel like we all probably watch with a little more focus. You're just kind of – you haven't seen them, so you're all figuring out what they have. And some guys just stand out and some guys don't. And I thought RJ would look better than he did. And then he ends up – usually RJ's not proven to be the best starter. I don't think he's ever gotten a good start in Supercross. So I thought to myself – this dude finally is put in position where he can win one. He's got this lead and there's this pileup, and he's got to be saying to himself, oh, and I don't feel sharp today. I just don't. It's just not a good night for me, and this is the night that I end up being gifted this giant lead, and it, it didn't work out. I mean, even in the heat, uh, he was battling what with Fortner. I mean, yeah. Fortner was much quicker and was just trying to figure out a way to pass him back. It was just I expected a little more from uh, RJ, but dude, the first round of these series, yeah. any series, is always weird. Yeah. So I just don't think he was comfortable for whatever reason. And uh, Cameron McAdoo uh, has a broken hand. Um, rode all rights with it though um, when he went down with with Peters there. So McAdoo, I, they say he may be able to race this weekend even. So not 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 that serious, but. Yep. Um, yeah, it's not displaced. Right. So he thinks he can ride. Yep. And Ferrandis pulled in the mechanics area for repairs. He was. 20 laps down, it seemed like at some point. Got 18th. Um, you know, good job for Dylan. He was really good all day. Villeman is working with, with, with Forkner. And, and, and I think Weege. Ferrandis. Yeah, oh, sorry, with Ferrandis. Yeah. And I think Weege, we need to go talk to DV every single weekend. So go get Yeah, his. it's, it's yeah. always good times. We um, learn a lot. So, uh, or, or at least I, I, I learned a lot. Some people would say they've heard a lot. I. I'm on. I'm cool with TV, so I know not everybody. Not everyone agrees. Uh, cycle trader Brandon Hartraft um, was a victim in that first turn crash. He just kind of got pushed off to the right, and he went straight onto the other lane. He rolled a few jumps, and then what did he end up getting? Seventh, I think. At the end, did he get? Did he finish seventh? Yeah, he he should have been seventh, I believe. Okay, so and at the and then the AMA, I think, rightly stepped in and penalized him, and they moved him to nineteenth, though. That's a little, little harsh. Yeah, yeah. How I do that's they, a bit heavy-handed. How do they I'm, know? I'm okay eight? with the penalty. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with the penalty, but 19th. How do they determine that? Wow. I don't know. I will. I yeah. I have no idea. I don't know what to tell you on that one. Weege, any idea? I, I don't know. I, I mean, without asking, it's probably not fair to speculate. All I can say is like, hey, you should finish behind everybody because you cut the entire start, so they cut the entire field off. Is that what they're thinking? I don't know. I was like, thinking a lap down. That's, a, that's the only thing I was thinking, but I'm it's pure speculation. I was just thinking, yeah, you can't do that. You're a lap down now. I, I don't know. But 19th is, uh, man, that's a really, really heavy-handed penalty. Wow. Like we said, Ferrandis was so far back. You know, let me pull well, up. And, and I've, watched this, I've watched this start multiple times, and you can't. I couldn't really see what – Brandon did after he got blown into the next straightaway, but he, he really had nowhere to go. So if their argument was, hey, you should have stopped and waited for the pack, then it's all, you know, you're completely guessing as to how long do you wait, what part of the pack are you supposed to fit in with. Uh, there's a lot of judgment, you know, going on yeah, in there so- as far as how that's supposed to go. But from what I've seen on the start, he had nowhere to go. Like the pack was this ro- tidal wave of motorcycles that pushed him into the next lane. So I'm not really sure what they expected. Uh, clearly it wasn't what he did because they pushed him from 7th to 19th. So. He, uh, he, was, he finished, they penalized him two laps down. The Osborne did 19 laps and Hartraff did 17, they said, because he's right behind wow. Ferrandis, who, who was two laps down. So how do they, like, I mean. Yeah. 
Jesus. And he did. He did. He came out. He was obviously in the lead. You know, when they came through the first rhythm, he was already in it. And then we saw he actually got off the gas and I think let three guys go by him. Yeah. So he kind of came up with his own self-imposed penalty. But, yeah, to, I, there's no way any of these riders think, hmm, I better let 22 guys pass me right now. I need to stop and let all 22 guys. Like, that would never run through your mind. No, no. That, that's what is required in that situation. So random. Yeah, like some, some, some guys don't get penalized yeah. at all. and Some guys get penalized 11 spots. It's like, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked that they would see him have some sort of understanding that he needed to check up. You know, whether it was enough or not, that's anybody's guess, and obviously they didn't think it was. But for him to have any sort of, uh, you know, cognitive thought there where he's like, man, I, I, I probably gained too many spots here, I need to check up and then go again, for them to still put that heavy of a penalty, I, man, I'm still a little bit shocked, and I, I kind of feel bad for the kid. I mean, he rode really well. You know, forget about the start, whatever happened there. A lot of that wasn't – that was way out of his control. But to ride that well the whole main event and then come out with a 19th in your first race is, uh, man, that's that's. Oh, yeah. If anybody should have penalized, I would have penalized Osby and just given him last. Look, and even Marty <laughs> – listen, Osby, even Marty beats you. That's that's where we're putting this. Marty <laughs> Marty gets two points. Um, Osborne put – I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with it. Uh, but Osborne, in the press conference, he was thinking that Jordan Smith was somewhat responsible for that as well as Osby. That's, that was kind of what he was saying, that yeah. both guys just stayed in the gas too long. He was like, I'm getting out of the gas for the corner, and why are these guys still on the gas? I don't really know. I, yeah. I don't know what this – I'm not out there. But uh, I, Looking at it from me, watching a couple times, Osby looked to me to be the culprit, main culprit, just driving it in there. He definitely was the one that hit Marty the hardest, no doubt. Um, yeah, it's, it's usually the guy on the inside. The inside guy is the one, if he pushes too hard in, it's all domino towards the yeah. outside. Um, yeah. So, hey, so who, who, who have we not talked about right now to the East that you, one of you wants to talk about? Like somebody that caught your eye, good or bad or whatever. Weege. I think we've talked about 12 guys already. I know. So anybody else? Anything else that caught your eye? Uh, John Ames head-on collision. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. Is he all right? Do we know? I heard broken tib-fib, I think. Oh. Or, or knee. Okay. Maybe a knee, but I think broken tib-fib. Oh, that was yeah. ugly. He got stuffed for the last spot in the last turn and onto the other lane. And I don't – I diverted my eyes. I don't quite know how he ended up in the middle of the start of the return start straight, you know? But it was ugly. Oh, boy. Well, he, yeah, he, he got, got punted. A Rod that hit him, but he didn't get punted. No, he I don't know how he ended up off the track. Really, I diverted my eyes when he went into the middle of the lane. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, there it is. Like, it's it's done. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he's out in the middle. Of, I'm not blaming this on him because I don't really know what happened. I just don't know how he ended up sort of in the middle. Well, he got hit in the in the kind of the apex of the turn. So you know, they're both racing through that turn. It, obviously, he doesn't want to give up the spot 20 yards from the finish. So that momentum, that forward momentum basically acted as a ramp off the berm. So he's got both feet off flying through the air, and that just that natural momentum pushed him further onto the start straight because really, he was really out of control at that point. He was, he was fully committed to railing through that turn, and A-Rod redirected him onto the start straight. So, yeah, if he, if he was fully in control and could have landed on the brakes and turned, that would have been one thing, but he was way past that. I mean, he was, he was way further out than he would have ever wanted to have been, and uh, Chaz Braden was wide open going down the start straight, and Probably the hardest impact I've ever seen watching Supercross in, you know, 30 years. Yeah, it was bad. Um, 
I did hear from TV people who had multiple angles on it um, that one thing that made it a little better was that it did appear that they both – it wasn't a full blindside hit. Like, they kind of saw it coming. Right. And they said it almost looked like when you're in the hallway and you're like, I'll go to the left, you go to the right. Oh, no, no, you're going to the right. I'll go to the left. There was a brief moment of that where they didn't know which direction to go to avoid each other, but at least that meant they were attempting to slow down. Right. But we're probably talking, what, maybe five miles an hour less. I mean, yeah. that straightaway. You're pinned. They were going fast. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about it is is how many times do we ever see in Supercross people hit going different directions? Like, you see so much side-to-side contact and a lot of block yeah. passes, and even, like, Weston and Marvin, they're still going the same direction. So it's not a... It's not a solid impact like that. It's more of a glancing no. blow. Where these two, yeah. you know, it was there was so much energy going opposite directions where it was, you know, oh. maybe they had hit the brakes and tried to dodge each other, but there was still much more of a head-on collision than we, we typically ever see in Supergrass. Um, oh, yeah. Needed a net right there. <laughs> you know where we needed a net? Talking about nets, that second turn. Put a net right there in a bull berm. And instead of the guys going inside rut, double, triple, you know what I mean? I don't, that would have been a perfect spot for a net, JT, second turn well, right there. Well, yeah, the, the second berm, you know, when I was, we were doing track walk Saturday morning, uh, someone asked me, like, hey, what are they going to do in this turn? And I said, well, they have to go inside because the berm is useless. Oh. So it's the same old story, and the nets have alleviated a lot of that this year. But that was a classic example of the old problem we've had, you know, 2005 till the beginning of this year where the outside is so flat that no one can carry momentum through it, therefore making it completely useless to go outside and making it one line to the inside. So yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I was a little confused why they did that. I don't know if they only had one net or they didn't think that they needed it there or whatever, but you could definitely see that same scenario we've been struggling with over the years play out in that turn. Yeah, that's where the net needed to be. Yep. Absolutely. Um, right. All right. Um, you know who had a good ride that uh, in both the heat – and the main event that maybe we haven't talked about is Luke Reslin. He came around 16th in uh, lap one, and he ended up getting, uh, what did he get, 10th on the last lap? I think he passed. Ninth. He passed into ninth on the last lap. So Reslin was good. Like, nobody will really talk about him too much, but Al Dozer, solid. Yeah, he was. He was charging that, and making, yeah, like you said, made some passes on the last lap. Definitely tries hard. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, all right. Hopefully Marty's all right. Do we know? He seemed like he was all right in his social media, so. I hope he hope he's able to go this weekend in Tampa. Blue is I feel like it's tipped like the wrong okay. direction now. Okay. So many people make fun of the Everybody digs into the guy. Like, Mathis, you were at the tip of the spear, no doubt. But now people pile on anything. He, he wins the heat race, and then my Twitter is just destroyed with, like, Geritol jokes. For no reason, Jeff Stanton, like, took some shot at him. Like, Yeah, six time. Yeah. Six between, time. Yeah, we tweet, like, Davalos fastest in practice, and he said, if experience was speed, he would lap the field. Hashtag move up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Stanton, why? Why? I almost feel bad for Marty now. Like, it's flipped. It's been so exposed how long he's been in the class that now we're just piling on. Yeah, listen. Th- yeah. That, that, I mean, it's 13 years. 13 years, bro. It's, dude. I'm not saying, I'm not saying the jokes are warranted or I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying they're going to come no matter what. When you, when you oh, spend yeah, 13 they do. years in the 250 class, you're going to get jokes. <laughs> it's, uh, and, and so many of those years he didn't do outdoors or got hurt. And he, 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 he did eight races or six races. You know what I mean? For so oh, many good, of those years. Steve. We, we've heard the arguments. Okay. We're good. I just, that class, we're good. that class, the class is broken. 
It's, okay. It's broken. Let's move on. And I'm no, sorry I even went there. And Let's no, keep the jokes rolling. Nobody <laughs> cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Not only does nobody care, they changed the rule in midseason last year to let these guys stay longer. They they looked at it and said, "Let's you know what Savachi and Marty are pointing out. Holy shit! Wait, like we got to change it. Like it's so broken and nobody cares. So so then Marty and now Osborne is getting it too. Each we're moving on to Tampa. Zach, moving on to Tampa. <laughs> we're on to Tampa. We're on to Tampa. Zacho is getting it also, and I think he should. What bonus checks? He's getting those. Uh, he's getting, you know, ragged on on my Twitter feed for being in the class too long. Now, he's got 50% of Marty's uh, starts in 250 Supercross, of course, but he's 30 years old. He's 30, yeah. right? So Yeah, you're going to get jokes too. Well, and I, yeah, wait, I don't, I don't think Marty. No, I don't think he's 30. No, our Osborne isn't 30. I'm sorry. He's Yeah, I think he's the same age as like Dungeon and Marvin, which is like 27, 28. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's which is still old in, summer of in 250 terms. So. Yeah. Summer of 05 was a long time ago. I don't think Marty and, and Zacho can be like, I'm so pissed I'm getting these jokes. Right? I think no. Right. They no. have to. But the class is broken. Class is broken. I just, I guess the point I'm making, and I really want to just move on to Tampa here, is that <laughs> now it's like whatever Marty does, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just all anyone wants to talk about is how long he's been in the class and just make fun of that. There's no other discussion about Marty. It's just always ripping the age and the writing or the results are not even well, part of the discussion. Listen, I'm, I, I'm one of those guys, and we know that, but he wrote really damn good all day long in, in, uh, in Dallas. He was, yeah. I, I tweeted for Racer X, like, I think, on the, I think a lap and a half had gone by, and I said, and Marty's gone. Like, there was nothing you were going to do in that heat race. Yep. So, all right. Um, anything else? You want to move, move on to 450s? We're on to Tampa. Um, thanks to Fly Racing, flyracing.com, for making it happen. Thanks to Alpine Stars. Please check out Alpine Star Protects line. And also to Max's Tire, MXST Tire. McGrath developed it, bro. Um, all right, let's go uh, on to 450s after this commercial break from our folks at Racetech. Um, please use the code PulpMX18 when you uh, go to Racetech.com to save with those guys. We'll be right back. Talk 450s from uh, Dallas. Racetech suspension and engines, people. PulpMX18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Racetech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Racetech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Racetech for their suspension and engines mods. PulpMX18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, Racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. And we're back. FlyRacing.com, everybody. Please check them out. Weston Pike, JT, won a heat race this weekend in Fly Racing. Killing it. He was killing a lot of people in that heat race. <laughs> NFG, right there. Um, he, he was coming up on the bear, and Weege and I were rubbing our hands together like RV. Because we're like, this 
is going to be fantastic. And he didn't, he did, couldn't get close enough to the bear, or he had more respect for the bear, uh, and he didn't. He got by him just traditionally. But uh, well, you know, you, you know what? I was, I was watching the heat, and and when he took out Marvin, I was like, wow. Like I don't know if that was, <laughs> but hey, you know, <laughs> you're your own man. Do what you got to do. But I was thinking about after the race, and if Marvin's super pissed off, Weston's just going to get off his bike and go, what are you going to do? What What are you going to do? And yeah, yeah. What are you going to do on your bike? What are you going to do off your bike? What are you going to do? And I was like, huh, yeah, he probably doesn't care. Oh, no. Mar- yeah, no. But well, Weston, I'm just saying, Weston probably doesn't care at all. He's like, yeah, what's he going to do? Right. Yeah, no, I, it, it, I agree. Uh, he's an animal out there. Um, well, and, and Marvin's going to beat him, you know, as far yeah. as, like, results-wise. Yeah, I'm not saying that, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, as far as, like, repercussions or consequences or whatever, he's probably like, yeah, like, whatever. Right. Not do anything. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, all right, hey, so Josh Grant, Fly Racing Zone Josh Grant, cases a jump, breaks his lower leg, I believe, JT. Do we have an official diagnosis? Uh, I think he broke his – I have heard I heard tibia and I heard fibula, but I know it's only one of the two. So okay. I don't want to speculate right. which of the one, but so, he's definitely got a broken bone in his lower leg. He, he's out. Um, and, then of course, Justin Barsha uh, doesn't triple. Bowers does, and it could have been so gnarly. Instead, he uh, Bowers just clipped Barsha's hand, and Justin walked off the track right away. You knew he was done. And so broken hand for Barsha. And, Weege, you said that if Anderson gets hurt – and I agree with you, by the way – if Anderson gets hurt, if anything happens to him, we just agree to start the series over. Okay, everybody. All right. We're, yes. look, look, we're just we're we're starting Red from flag. scratch. We're Red starting like the whole series. Yeah. We're, we we gave it a shot. Everybody tried hard. Good effort, but let's do it. Just have a do-over. Yeah. Everybody Riders gets meeting. Riders meeting. They just throw a red flag. Everybody gets <laughs> a, everybody gets to start again because seriously, this is getting pretty gnarly, you know, with injuries. So. Yeah, if Anderson if Anderson rides like as you have said right from the start of the year, Mathis, if Anderson rides like the champion of the series usually does, there's usually one guy who doesn't mess up. If he's that guy this year, then it's fine. But if he messes up, now we're into some serious uncharted territory. I don't know if there's ever been a season that has been that messed up. If Anderson screws this up to the point where one of our industry buddies today is saying there's no way Hondas keep his Sealy, right? They've got to be so embarrassed by Sealy. Sealy, Sealy. And I understand Sealy has maybe been able to win some races and faded, and that's not a great look. But isn't Sealy actually still second in points somehow? Yes. Yes. Like, he could be both not ever. performing well enough to stay in the team and win the title at the same time. <laughs> that's how crazy this series is. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I flew back I, with a, I think oh. this. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I think this has been Sealy's best year ever, so I don't I don't buy into that at all. That's my personal opinion. I think Sealy's been in, a, in contention to win more races and more, you know, maybe he hasn't sealed the deal. I can understand some some criticism there, but as far as relevancy and, and being in the mix, I think this has been Sealy's most relevant year ever where he, week in and week out, he's good. And there's been weekends in the past where he's just not even close. And I haven't seen that a lot from him this well, year, so I, I give him kudos on that. It just goes back to JT, and we talked about this without you up in the press box. Is so there's so many jerk off industry people and and fans for that matter, who just like if you don't win, you're garbage. Like take his bike away, like give it to a privateer. Right. There's so many of those people, and the mentality in our sport needs to change. Where you go, hey man, you got seventh. Like good work. Like it's a gnarly. Like I, I, it maybe will never change, but it's always been that way. Where 
every fan wants to take the factory bike away from every factory rider who doesn't, you know, win. So, well, you know, and if you if you told, you know, most people or asked them, you know, hey, would you know the after the first few rounds, would Cole Seeley be just as relevant or just as in the mix to win races as Ken Roxon or any of these guys? And you'd be like, yeah, probably not. You know, he's the second. He's the second guy on the team, and I, Cole probably would hate that description. But I think when when the budgets were laid out and when this, the concept of the HRC Honda team was made, it was you know Roxon's here to win titles, and hopefully hopefully Cole can be on the podium. But we're not paying him on the race winning level guys either. You know that's just facts. So for him to arguably be the best guy or right there at A2, and then you know there's been multiple rounds where he's been right there to do this thing. I. I have no problem with this year. I think he's been, I think he's been really, really good and solid. Um, but to your larger point with Anderson, I really think that there's, if they're not in his ear every second of the day, just saying, stay calm, and probably hitting him with a tranquilizer dart every 15 minutes, just saying, hey, all you got to do is ride this thing out. Don't do anything stupid. Everyone's out. Everyone's hurt. You don't have to do anything crazy here. Yeah. Your main competition's done. You know, you're. We're coming up on the halfway point, and week by week, we're losing somebody every week. You don't even have to win races anymore. Just stay in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Weech. I don't want to go back to this 250 broken conversation. Oh, oh what? Huh? I, yeah. I don't want what? to. What? But, but these people, this guy we know slagging off on Sealy for getting fourth and fifth every week, that's entirely the point. That's the reason why there's this fear of 250 guys moving up. Because if you move up and you don't kill it, you don't win multiple races, there's our term, you're now a piece of garbage. <laughs> so better to stay in the 250 class where you can more easily win multiple races. Like if Savachi was racing the 450 class this year, he probably isn't going to win a 450 main event. But he could probably be what? A fifth-place guy, an eighth-place guy, a ninth-place guy? And then if he does that two years in a row, fans and industry people will be saying, take that Cowie away from him. All he's getting is ninth for all this money. So, yeah, that is – that all ties into that. Sealy, I think, in a normal sport, he is second in the standings. He's led laps. He's been relevant. That would be awesome in most sports, but that's just not the mentality that goes on around yeah. here. So he would both be potentially leading the championship and underperforming at the same time if Anderson gets hurt. Hey, I flew back this morning with a guy from Red Bull KTM, and he's like, Marv's five points out of second. I'm like, what? Like, I hadn't looked for a couple of weeks, and damn it, he is. Like, Marv missed the race. <laughs> so... Um, wow! Yeah, he's five points out of out of, out of second, and so, wow. anyways. But uh, Eli Tomac, all weekend long, or all day long, I should say, not all weekend, because I wasn't sure about Friday, uh, but all day long on Saturday, Eli Tomac was the man. He killed it, crushed it. Was going four three before the triple. Um, just looked in control. Just, I don't know. Like <laughs> it might be. Might be even more frustrating, Wygant, to 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 be Monster Cowie and to be Eli and John and Kathy, um, and see what happened in Dallas and just be like, oh God, fuck our lives, fuck us, you know? Like, it, that's what w- could happen. That's what should happen. So many times this year, <laughs> just as it. I I agree, and I think what makes it even more frustrating is one of the weaknesses Tomac always had was starts. But you might be able to make an argument that he's been the best starter in the class. <laughs> This year, like he's had several starts. If you total up the heats and the mains, where three quarters of the way down the start straight, you're like, oh, no, Tomac's got these guys. He's got a, he's got two point five average start, and the next best is four. Yeah, 
And whole shot Anaheim one, no doubter whole shot. Whole shot in this race, no doubter. He races a lot of those. Uh, not like getting to the first turn fourth and snaking through. Like, so that's the other thing. Like they fixed one of his biggest liabilities yeah. and turned it into an asset, and it's still working. Is working out terribly. No, oh, he was he was great, JT Tomac. Just just great. Well, yeah. I mean, this is you know, it's either it's either been crash or win, and when he wins, there's no doubt who the best guy is. And even when he crashes, sometimes there's no doubt who the best guy is. You know, uh, and I yeah. won the DNS or hurts himself and has all kinds of issues. He was still the best guy. I don't know that anybody would have argued that he wasn't the best guy day one but you know he he's learning the hard way here that you can't and I, I would have thought he learned that last year but you just can't do it this way you can't do it and you know there was there's been a lot of people that have taken a lot of shots against ryan dungey over the years for uh consistency and it, it, you know there were years where he was dominant but there were other years like last year where he wasn't dominant and he but he was damn consistent and he never gave anybody an inch he just would not he was so relentless and put so much pressure on people to be perfect and Eli just hasn't figured that part out yet and that's that's really the missing ingredient from for him from being a multi-time supercross champion to having zero titles to his credit yep, you just uh you just gotta you know if you're Cowie, you just gotta keep winning knocking these things down and you know Go on to go, go on to outdoors, but yeah, they gotta be they gotta be like oh boy because well, he was so he was yeah. I mean he's clearly better than Anderson and Marv and everybody sure. when he's when he's on you know so but yeah. I think I think something fundamentally has to happen here because whatever is going on for the past you know this is going on at least the second year where I feel like he he should be going into his second title I really believe that I I feel like you know he's been the best guy for two years running and he's gonna have zero titles to show for it in Supercross. And these things don't just—they're not handed out, you know. At some point here, he's gonna—he's gonna be past his prime and, and past mm-hmm. his window. And if he doesn't sort this out, you know, it, it may never happen. Because going into the season, did anybody think Anderson was gonna be the guy? I certainly didn't, you know. And Marvin's had all the struggles, and all these guys have had problems. So who's to say Marvin doesn't come out next year just, you know, on some sort of crazy form? And Eli's got all the pressure from him next year, so. I don't know what the answer is, but you can't go about it this way. You can't give up 20 points a weekend multiple times and expect to come out champion. That's just not how it works. How sweet was that 4-3 before the triple going outside? Nobody did it all night, I don't think, just in practice, but uh, it was pretty sweet. Eli was the first guy that I saw do it. And a few other guys uh, Anderson, did, but... Anderson was doing it. Anderson was doing it in practice as well. Yeah, no, a few guys did it. I think uh, somebody else uh, – Brayton? No, uh, I don't know. Somebody did. A few guys did it, but it was Eli looked like he had it down the best, you know, and, and it, it was just awesome. Um, Marvin gets second, rode well. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he, he recovered from that Pike pass. <laughs> God, Mar- Pike tuned him up, boy. Um, and, uh, and Baggett got third again, three straight weeks for, for Baggett. JT, how's, uh, how's Baggett's mood? How, how, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to talk to him after the race. It, it, I mean, you've got to be happy, but on the other hand, if you're Blake Baggett, you're just maybe a little – maybe now you're starting to get a little frustrated? Well, I, I think yes, but uh, Blake had a huge crash on Thursday, and honestly, on Friday, they were unsure if he'd be able to even do it. Uh, he was just going to try to get out there and do the best he could, and I don't think there was a ton of pressure on him for results on Saturday because everyone was just happy that he was able to go through the motions out there. Um, so when he was out there in the main event and running around in third, yeah, everyone was overjoyed. And I think it was just more of a bonus. So yeah, of course he wants to win 
And if you had removed that Thursday crash from the books, yeah, I think you would be like, man, I gotta, I gotta win one of these, and I should have beat Marv. And um, yeah, I think there would have been some of that. But knowing how beat up he was, and just he was like, man, I just, I just want to get something decent on the books here. I think they're, they were very, very happy with the third. We, we saw, we saw Cooper Webb like in practice, look good all day. Didn't get a start in the heat or the the main. I guess he got all right in the main, but glimpses of Coop and what he could do. Yeah, he actually was fastest in the first practice. Yeah, uh, was ahead of Tomac there, and then Tomac had everybody covered by a mile in the last practice. But in the heat, I think he actually had a decent start. That Barsha thing screwed up a bunch of people. Yeah, and I think he got shuffled with that. And the main, uh, he was trying to Sealy. I think in the second lap, Webb bobbled, didn't do a triple, and Sealy went by him. Mm-hmm. And he spent literally the next 19 minutes and one lap trying to get him back. And yeah. the gap must have been two and a half seconds yeah. the entire way, and he couldn't quite get him. But and Anderson, for sure, and, Anderson went by, and Anderson yeah. went by both of them. You know what I mean? So it was. Yeah. Yeah. I I think actually when Anderson got up, I think he was ahead of. I think he was between them. Was he? Oh, I thought he got them both. Okay. Yeah, maybe you're right. He, Anderson. I remember Anderson passing Pike and Sealy. Maybe he passed Webb also. But he's definitely getting racier uh, as it goes on. And who knows the way this season is now going with all these guys being eliminated? Where are we going to be? This is only round seven. Where are we going to be around thirteen? I don't There's know. Gonna be, there's going to be a lot of guys who, on the right time, I mean, hey, Sealy, when he won that race in Houston in 2015, these are the perfect circumstances. You know, the field just gets a little messed up. There's two or three really fast guys. They have a bad night, a bad start. You're out front, and things just click. So I think any of these guys that are left, yeah. you, okay, Webb's not going to win the title this year. No. But there is a chance over these last 10 races, there's still 10 races that podiums or even a win or something, the way this is going, can just fall your way. I mean, we're, what are we going to be down to in, in five weeks? I don't know. How, how long is Barsha out for, you think? He what? needs surgery, he said, so that's not good. Yeah. And Kenny's, Kenny's hand injury was a little worse than they thought with ligaments. I spoke to Eric Kehoe a little bit. so Yeah. You know, that so, looked gnarly. Um, Barsha crashes and maybe is out with broken heart. Oh. That was the headline <laughs> from Motocross Action. Well, the main event in the 450 class was boring. There wasn't a lot going on at yeah, all. Yeah. The only thing, this will go down in history, the only thing I will remember 10 years from now about Dallas 2018 yeah. was that MXA headline. The all caps on Twitter. Yeah. And this is like two hours after everybody already knew. It just, it just takes two seconds, MXA. It just takes two seconds to read that headline out. Justin Barsha crashes. Maybe, maybe two words. Maybe is out, is out with broken hard. <laughs> uh, and then I went to their website, and they had that. That was the headline of the website. Uh, maybe is out with broken hard. JT, Weege was crying. He was crying. He, he, he was. It was. It was. Weege couldn't handle it. It was. Yeah, it was there great. were four laps on the main. That's so. That's about. Three minutes and 40 seconds, I was just had tears and I wasn't even watching. Broken heart. Yeah. I mean, the, maybe I is out with broken heart. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I, I don't – do you not check your mentions or do you not check what you wrote or I – don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand any step of the process that you wouldn't immediately see that and freak out and yell and then delete it. I, I don't okay. – and, and right. it's, it's, so, it's so MXA that it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Um, 
Uh, hey, we checked at one. It was it was twelve thirty or one in the morning. Yeah. We checked the website again, and it was still there. Yeah. Yeah. Like five hours. Yeah. Does uh, does Honda put anybody on Roxon's bike? Does Yamaha put anybody on Barcher's bike? Does Cowie put anybody on Grant's bike? What do we think? It's early, but what do we think? Weej. Uh, Davy Millsaps maybe could be a good option to put on Barcher's bike. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Veteran rider, yeah, yeah, real good. Yeah, yep. he's available. I heard he liked the Yamaha. Right. Um, Honda didn't put anybody on uh, Roxon's bike last year in Supercross, I don't believe. I think they put Craig on it. JT, did Craig not do some races? In Supercross? Yes. Did he do, like, Vegas, mm. maybe? I feel like Oscar worked for my for Christian Craig indoors. Wow, okay. Yeah, that sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I, I can't think of a whole lot of people that are healthy and ready. Um... That's part of the problem. What about the bear? Would the bear? Because Monster is a team that needs bikes out there in their contracts. So would the bear right. get a call? That sounds likely. Uh, maybe. I mean, I can I can see it happening. He's literally the only Kawasaki rider. The other Kawasaki rider. Like that's it. And he's riding pretty well lately, man. Last couple of races, Oakland was good. This was good. Um. And then, so the last one was uh, Honda, uh, but Yamaha. Does Yamaha put anybody on there? Because that's a monster team. I, I think they will, yes. Yeah, they'll have to. Who would they get? Who would they put on? Chiz? <laughs> Twitter says Chiz. Twitter says Chiz. Twitter says Chiz. Chiz says Chiz. Yeah, I don't know. Chiz, Mel Ross. I mean, I don't know. There's no guys that jump off the page, I don't think. Chad Reed? <laughs> no. No? Okay. <laughs> they should no, put I, Reed on the bike Chiz, just Chiz beating him. Just for this weekend in Tampa to break the record. <laughs> they'll, they'll claim, and then all the record, all the photos will be there. When yeah. chat, yeah. Yep, going to the Hall of Fame with the right cap on. Uh, yep. One day contract. Yeah. Yep. Tickle, uh, tickle rode really well for the second week in a row. Uh, came from pretty much last. So yeah. tickle rode really well. Uh, ninth place for him. Starting to get a little better. He said he, you know, he started. He said he started f- feeling like he couldn't get. He was getting uh, de- depressed a little bit by the workload at, at Alden's, and it wasn't getting easier and easier, and he was wondering when it was going to happen, and it's kind of starting to happen now for him. It's getting easier, you know. He's kind of maintaining himself. So um, so Tickle rode really well. We're, we're impressed with him. Um, JT, you know, we just going to get super mad and pissed, but I'm kind of waiting on Brayton a little bit. He's, he's not as flash. There's not much flash the last couple weeks, two, three weeks. Yeah, I think starts are, starts are a part of that. You know, starts are a big part of what Justin does well. So um, I don't see him riding all that poorly. No, just, you know, yeah. Yeah, I just see him I just see him kind of in the pack there, and I don't see him getting dropped by any means, but if he doesn't get the start, he seems to ride a little bit differently. He He's very good at being a front runner, and if you get him out front, he seems like he feeds off that adrenaline, and if he doesn't, he kind of just goes with the pack that he's in. Yeah. So we'll see. I think the starts are going to – you know, dictate his results as we get on the stretch. Sorry, Weege, I hate to say that. Just, you know, we, we saw him at the Triple Crown, you know, run up there and different races, so. No, I agree. I mean, let's be honest, we've lost, even since then, three or four guys, and his results are actually a little bit worse than they were right, then. Right, You know, he was almost podium, maybe fourth, fifth on a good night guy, and now he's not quite there, even with, you know, Rockton out or right. Marsh out. Is it bad that I was in the JGR truck before the night show and I asked Mookie about that four over the, the table and three, and he said he, 
he tried it, but he didn't quite get over it, you know, and he hasn't done it yet. And then it was bad that I was like, well, James would do it. Is that bad? Is that? I don't think that's bad. Okay. All right. You mean you mean one of the greatest riders of all time that happens to be his brother would do it? Yeah. I don't well, I, just throwing it in his face as far as maybe a little bit like James would do it. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't he, think you can ever throw it in anybody's face with James would do it. You'd be like, yeah, duh, he would do anything well, that anybody's ever doing. Well, Mookie was like, really? Really? <laughs> so. You know, he, well, there's some brother rivalry, I'm sure. Right, he's right, gotta, right. He's got to realize that James is he's James. I mean, that's then, how it is. And then that went into me for 15 minutes talking about James again. And then the Mookie's <laughs> just looking at me. So, anyways. Um, yeah, Mookie's on the team now uh, with Bogle's injury, so. I'm kind of, I'm waiting on more from Mookie to be honest too, right? So, like, he's been good. He's been killing but, it there for a long time. He was like seventh, eighth for a long time. Yeah, and I didn't see what happened to him why he dropped to eleventh, but I mean, he was a solid eighth. Yeah, for, honestly, quarters of the race. Looking at them, Bowers was tenth and ninth or tenth for a while, and Mookie was up there. Like you said, they both looked like they got tired. I didn't see any big issues, you know. Well, twenty-five laps, they'll do that to you. <laughs> yes, yes, you are right. Um, Freeze rode well again. Nice job for him. Cole Martinez yep. got in the main. Um, good job for him. Politelli, the cat. Henry Miller uh, was in the main for his second one. Henry Miller is hes not re- very refined in Supercross. Can I just put that out there? He's not refined. Fair. I, I, Henry needs to – I'm scared for Henry sometimes. So um, – what do we what do we make of Chad Reed? What's the are we getting anywhere yet? I honestly I I don't know. he had didn't have a good practice again. I don't know, man. Like I don't notice him that much. Him and Bloss are finding each other the last few weeks. Yep. Um, practice has been terrible. Yeah, I'll say that yeah. straight out with no bias. His practice has been terrible. Uh, the heat race was better. Like he had some fight to give. I watched him go back and forth with Tickle. Um, he had more spunk and more ability to kind of com- combat any moves those guys made, which hasn't been there at all. Like, he's just been completely unable to do anything when somebody makes a move on him. And I saw him able to – he could strike back and he could use some of that, you know, uh, wisdom and uh, the race smarts that he has. Uh, I could see him able to utilize some of that. But then in the main event, it was it was pretty rough again. And I saw, you know, Chiz went by and Blossom went by and yeah. – uh, yeah, it's just not, no, he's, not there in the main event. Yet. Nope. So maybe maybe it comes. You know, it's getting better. I, I see, you know, little baby steps every every week. I just man, that twenty one minutes is a long time out there. Um, yeah, he's going to set the all time start record in four fifty supercars this weekend. That's that's pretty cool. Beating Larocco. Um, I, 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 Weege, what do you think? What do you think of Chad? I don't notice him that much, to be honest. I don't. It's scary, but. No, I don't. It's exactly the way I would sum it up. I mean, the amount of time I've spent watching him this year, it's just very, very few overall total minutes that I've actually spent watching him because he's just in the middle of the pack. I know the practice thing, he's kind of explained it to you, that he says the ankle is actually worse at the beginning of the day. And then I guess the more he just smashes that thing and loosens it up, the better he gets. Uh, And that kind of shows. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's so hard to judge him right now. It's so hard to judge Okay, there's so many factors. I know that he always says the age doesn't matter, but he's at an extremely, extremely advanced age now. Is he going to be 36, I think, here coming up? Uh, yep. yep. He's, he's a privateer, really. I mean, there's, in any stretch of the word, he's really a privateer. Oh, he's a privateer. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. So 
he's a privateer. That has its disadvantages. He's 36. I think at this point, okay, maybe he was 31. He was proving us wrong in the age thing. But I think at 36, you have to factor that in. And he came in with the injury. I don't know. What's the blame pie for these results? Age, bike, no, et cetera, et cetera. Injury. I don't know. Injury. Uh, injury. Oh, a healthy injury is, is yeah. Yeah, if, if if Chad Reed comes in normal, Chad Reed, he's he's running five to ten, I think, yep. at thirty six years old. I agree with that. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so what we're saying on the blame pie, the bike, it's not a factory bike. The age, he's getting older, but the great majority of it is just the injury. Yes. Yes. Well, um, that's the question I wanted answered because what I'm trying to figure out is that like, is he at this point like, damn it, this just sucks, and at least I can tough this out and get this start record, or or is it like, I can come back next year, and if I'm not hurt, I can be good again? Dude, he wants to race next year. Well, if it's all the injury, if it's really the majority of his injury, then I guess you might as well. If, he's, if the team bike well, age thing isn't a factor, but you never know. I think, I, think what, I think what you're seeing, so when we say it's not age at all, I think the difference is we're saying if he's 100% good to go, he can be 5 to 10. But I think, you know, 2012, 13, 14, when he's 31 years old, 30 years old, 31, he's able to win races. You know, those, yep. those were when he was in the mix. And if he's feeling it, yeah, good luck beating him. You know, I don't yep. think he has that in him at 35. I, but I do think he could be a solid top 10 guy and all day long. And on his good nights, he could be battling for top five. That's where the age thing comes in. The injury thing comes in and you go from, you know, 6th or 7th to 15th and just you're a lap down every single week. That's where the, the injury really kills you. Um, I heard a little bit of grumbling on uh, a couple weeks ago on, on Twitter, and then I heard a grumbling in the pits this weekend. Do you guys have any problem with uh, him being out in opening ceremonies and all that? Like, I do not at all. I think it's fine. They didn't used to do this. They used to have a pretty good rule that if you weren't top 10, you weren't coming out. Um and they did this with stars, too, of the sport. But they're bringing them out every single weekend, and I do not have a problem with this. Just I've heard some grumbling. Either one of you care enough or have an issue? Go ahead. Not really. They did it with Mookie last year, remember? They brought Mookie in for opening ceremonies. He didn't even show up to round three, and they put him in opening ceremonies. No, but I'm saying, like, then he wasn't in opening ceremony. But Chad is every weekend. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, that's grump- just finding something to grumble about. It's... That is a, literally a show part of the show. Yeah, yeah. So we need to be that regimentedly tied to the results. We used to. Like, oh, it used to be that way. I yeah. I know, and it just is an opportunity for people to, to bitch. Yeah. But no, I'm fine it's opening it. ceremonies. I don't know what – if you're worried about the results mattering, then just look at what the results are at the end of the night. There's plenty of things based on results that we have. Yeah. No, I, I'm fine. I per- yeah. Go ahead. I personally I think when you, when you look at – you look at you. We lost Bill Poto a few years ago. We've lost Dungey last year. We lost Stu a couple years ago. When you look oh, at no, 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 no. We haven't lost Stu. It's just we're on hold right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're okay, right. Okay. Thank you. But but regardless, when you don't have those guys at the races, and now Roxon's out, and now Barsha's out, yeah, and on, yeah, on, right. on. You've got to have some sort of stars out there that the common fan can identify with. You have to have that. So on just purely a show part of, you know, entertainment value, getting fans involved and engaged, there are fans that they don't watch a lot of races, and they're showing up wondering, where's Bill Poto and where's Carmichael? You know, is McGrath still racing? Oh, we just went in the, in the truck when I was talking to Mookie. They said people still come up and go, is that James Stewart's bike? To Mookie? Yep. Yep. yep, yep. So yep. those people that don't pay attention a lot, they know who Chad Reed is. 
And when they see him come out for opening ceremonies, they're like, oh, hell yeah, Chad Reed's going to smoke these fools tonight, you know? <laughs> they don't know that right. Chad Reed's going to be 36 in a couple weeks, and, you know, he's on the tail end of this thing. Yeah. But they do know who he is, and it gives them an engagement point. So yeah, no, I think I, on that level, just for the good of the sport, I think it's important. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, absolutely. Bring him on out. He's, he's a legend, you know? Um, yeah. So. I can understand the guys that, are, that aren't allowed out there because they, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for sponsors. It's a huge deal for the riders. So if you're on the cusp there and you're not getting in and Chad's getting in, you're like, yeah, I beat that guy every week. I can understand a little bit of hostility or, you know, animosity or whatever. But, hey, go win 45 races and a bunch of titles, and then, you know, you'll get out there anytime well, you want. Pretty soon it's going to be, you know, the way the series is going, pretty soon it's going to be from Rimrock, Arizona. Cole Martinez. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the way it's going. So, you know, let's let's, let's bring let's keep bringing Chad out. Um, yeah. Well, at some point, Chad's going to be a hundred points down, and he's going to be in the title contention just sheerly on who's left. <laughs> yeah. No, we just we just already done the math. We just working this out. <laughs> in it to win it. In it to win it. Um, all right. Um, anything else? Uh, what else can we talk about? Weech, how was uh, how was dinner with Tim Ferry? Yeah, it was really good. I went over to Cali, where you usually go uh, before the night show, checking on Grant's situation. Um, Tim Ferry was over there hanging out with his all-time favorite mechanic, and many would say the mechanic that brought him to his most success. Oh, really? Mike Williamson, yes. I mean, Williamson and Ferry, they're basically synonymous with each other. When you think Ferry, you think of his trusty wrench. Mike Williamson. Yeah, well, Uh, I don't, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Some some might disagree, but... Uh, Mike Williamson would say he brought Ferry to his greatest success. Have you heard that? Uh, yeah, yeah, from Mike I have. But uh, actually, <laughs> myself and Timmy have the uh, record for most podiums overall, indoors and out, together. Okay. So. Uh, so, yeah, so the three of us hung out, and then uh, Mike had to go start tearing the tent down. But then Mike said, hey, we got food left over. So, you know I me, mean? I was on it like Toucan Sam, like follow my nose. <laughs> and... This so is, I started talking to Timmy about um, the state of amateur racing because the sun races, and it's just just disheartening. Timmy showed me the lap times from the KTM Junior Supercross Challenge uh-huh. from practice, and he said, this kid here in a second, he is homeschooled. Yeah. And I'm like, this is ages seven to eight, right? He's like, yep. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, no, gotcha. Yeah. Would you like me to start now? No. Or would you no, like- why do I do this? Why do I do this? <laughs> I why have, do I do this? I have some thoughts. I have a few thoughts on amateur racing. Um, <laughs> no, because I was asking how Evan's doing, and I'm yeah. like, "You doing freestone or anything?" And he's like, "No, we're pretty much only going to do Loretta's because you can only take them out of school so many days a year." Yeah. And then I'm like, "Wait, if you're basically saying that if you're sticking to the school calendar means you can do regionals, areas, and Loretta's, why is everyone else doing all these races?" And it's like, yeah. "Well, now you know." Yeah, I, I I really do believe in that. You know, you have ten good years, whether it's 16 to 26 or whether it's 21 to 30 you know what i mean or whatever it is i, I like that theory that some people have talked about in uh, stanton and, and mcgrath and these, uh, you know so like if your kid isn't absolutely destroying the seven and eight class it's okay like it's fine you know what i mean like just keep them bring it you know treat them normal and bring them up and and you know if he really gets into it at 14 years old 15 years old then you you have a decision to make you know so well i hope you're right because that would be a nice natural way to discourage yeah. going too much too soon. Yeah. But if that's not the case, then there is literally no incentive whatsoever oh, yeah, to I know. bet yeah. the entire farm on this, which is terrible. Yep. Yep. 
Um, hey, JT, uh, what else? Anything else happened for you? You want to talk about? Uh, not really. Unless no? you have something you're okay. holding back on me, like waiting in the Oh, week. like dropping a bomb on you, like a grenade, <laughs> dropping a yeah. grenade on you? Yeah. No, yeah, no, like, no. Oh, what about this? No, no, not at all. I was just trying to think about different conversations we had during the day or, or people had or whatever. Um, before we uh, wrap up, though, JT, Fly Racing Zone, Ben LeMay has been maybe like a guy that's really done well under the radar. Um, I, we talked about it up in the press box, Weege and I. Like, he's had a couple races where it didn't look good for him getting in. Ben has been doing arena cars. He's a veteran. And I just want to say props to Ben LeMay. Like, he, he's making it happen. He rides himself into the main events every week, and he's TPJ, full privateer, and, and nice job, Ben LeMay. Can we get him a monster sponsorship? I mean, I feel like <laughs> if you want to talk about pulling your weight as like the back end of a sponsorship deal, you yeah. know, it's always a two-way street with sponsorship. I feel like he's he is redefining how that you know works as far as a two-way street. Yeah, and I know he's getting paid. He has gets a paycheck, but man, what a cool story that would be! Is like, hey, this guy actually works for us, and he's out there in the main events every week. And I, I just think it would be a cool story. Yeah. That, yeah, I don't think Monster will do anything with it, but I think it would be really cool and like a really nice grassroots story of how this whole thing played out. That the average worker, per- person that works for UPS or yeah. wherever they work, they could totally identify with that and be like, "Wow, yeah. that's really happening! Like that's awesome." <laughs> yeah, you, you know, maybe he shows up at the races. You can for people who don't know, he works for Monster in, in Texas, and he, he's a Monster regional area rep or whatever. So maybe yeah. maybe he brings in the cans to the you know every Saturday night. They can put him to work. Hey, I just think it would be I just think it would be a great way to get get him some help and also I think it would be a great way for Monster to reach reach consumers like what a cool cool real story that's not it's not contrived they're not yeah, no, doing any story I mean it's a really cool story I think He's been riding well too he, you know and he charges yep. all main event JT like he, char- he reminds yeah. me of you a little bit he reminds me of you a little bit where he looks like he can do 20 plus 1 and he's he tries really hard and no matter where he's starting, you look at Ben LeMay, he is putting effort in. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's been missing a lot of years in his career where he, he hasn't had the effort level, but you can see it out there. Like, he, there's not a lot of quit in him right now. No, no. Uh, next time I'm talking to the Shark, I'll, I'll ask him about getting on board with LeMay's program. <laughs> right. Well, I won't hold my breath. Okay. I was talking to someone from Texas, I don't even remember who, in the press box, and I'm like, man, LeMay's really... Probably Dark Side. It was probably Dark Side and his ponytail. No. <laughs> I mean, if people want to get it in that beautiful press box at AT&T Stadium, just find Darkside, uh, who has his own podcast, and uh, you can just climb in there like Rapunzel. I mean, he had—he's got four feet of hair. He has so much. <laughs> he has so much pony going on. I can't it was speak about that pony. I never noticed that pony before. It is glorious. It's he said he's been growing escape. it since 1995. Yeah. What's that, JT? He's his own fire escape. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. So I was talk- maybe it was him. I was talking to one of the Texas locals. Uh, uh, it might have been my friend John Martini, actually, who was just a buddy of Jim Holly. There's many of those. I had some hilarious time <laughs> buddy, with Holly. A buddy of Jim Holly. <laughs> yeah. There was just guys I met through the years just through Jim. By the way, I run into Jim, and then we bump into Andrew Short, and then Jim is trying to pitch Andrew Short on racing on Jim's 30-plus uh, Baja 1000 and Baja 500 team. Right. Uh, as Jim, I mean, Jim backs off on nothing. But wait, like, you're not, you're not getting, are you going to tell the whole story or no? 
Yeah, so then Andrew's like, look, I'm doing a rally. I don't want to do Baja. I'm good. No, let me show you some photos. Let me show you some photos of my bike and the team and the trophy. <laughs> and then Andrew's getting all freaked because you know when it's photos. <laughs> and Jim Holly. Jackie, Jackie Short. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, and then Jackie's right there. So Jackie's trying to figure out, like, is this the time where I need to move out of this conversation because Jim is going to start showing his photos that I don't want to see? Or is this bike-related stuff, which I can No, Jackie, you're cool. You ride. You know. Come check it out. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, no, it's not the... It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, and then it ended with two Japanese girls came by. And Jim started talking to him in Japanese, and the next thing you know, they're all taking selfies together. Two girls <laughs> and Jim. He's he's a remarkable man. He hands him a room key. Hands him a room key. Anyway, that wasn't even. <laughs> where am I going with yeah, this? I don't know. Um, uh, oh, I was talking to. I think it was John Martini, one of Holly's buddies from Texas. And I'm like, man, LeMay's really stepped up. And he's like, yeah, he just rides the TPJ track. And he's really stepped up. I'm like, wait, there's a TPJ track? I didn't know this. So he shows me an overhead Google Images shot, and it's just a neighborhood with a track right in the middle, like just a full-on suburb with a Supercross track. And I'm like, how is this allowed? And he's yeah. like, Teddy Parks, he owns all those houses, man. What yeah, are you going to say to him? Teddy, it's going to be named Teddy Parksville. He owns a town pretty soon, soon enough. <laughs> He'll just own all these houses. Oh, so, yeah. so, JT, you know this. It's basically, you can rent a house from me, but you're not complaining about the dirt bike noise or dust. It just comes with it. Yep. Sorry. And <laughs> and on top of that, Jim Holly, getting back to Holly, he's trying to organize a, a supercross in Japan. Oh. He, and he's racing Baja. Yeah. And he's got Jim, Jim Holly. He, he's trying to get Ryan Dungey to be like the spokesperson for this event. And I just can't imagine Dungey's head spinning and eyes crossing, right. not knowing what to do with any of this. Jim is laying out the itinerary for the Japanese supercross. Well, he wants Dungey to go to the Tokyo Motor Show, which is like the weekend of Indy Supercross. And he's like, this is how it works, man. We're going to wire money into your account the minute you get in that plane. And then when that plane lands, if you're on it, we wire in more money. That's how it works. <laughs> so if you want to turn that, that plane around, you're still going to get half the money. <laughs> that is how it works for a lot of races. Yep. <laughs> you, when you land, like you get money before you leave, because Sortelli's deals were this way. When you before you left, half the money was there, and when you landed, you call the agent, say, "Okay, I'm here," and uh, the other half of the money would show up. So he's he's, he's actually right on that part. And uh, and <laughs> uh, Dunge, yeah, Dunge is probably like, "What is the deal with this guy? I don't know anything. I don't know. Why would I go to Japan? What do I have to do with this?" I'm a millionaire. I'm a multi-millionaire. I'm, I don't need to go to Japan and be an ambassador. Or maybe this guy yep. wants me to ride. I'm not quite sure. I don't really. Yeah, I'm I'm known as the guy that single-handedly put the European brand on top. Yeah, of all the Japanese yeah. brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's and, a wanted man. And I'm and I'm known as a guy who never went anywhere for any yes. any extra races at yeah. all ever. <laughs> oh boy, um, Jim is. Well, actually, wait. I do know why he asked Dunge. Because the promoter, Stephen, who do you think the Japanese promoter wanted? I don't know. Oh, James Stewart? Oh, yeah. <laughs> James is not available. Yeah, that's not happening. So he's like, I can get the champ. I can get the reigning Supercross champ. How about that? <laughs> RV will go. He will take answer gear and Yamahas, and he will go. I guarantee you, <laughs> RV seems like he's down to do anything right now. Like, I don't understand. He hated racing forever, and it now seems like you could get RV to show up at your local fair on a Yamaha, um, you know, wearing answer. On a YZ65. Yeah, RV is, is available. <laughs> okay, uh, 
Anything else, boys? Tampa? If if Tomac wins Tampa, we're gonna see him, I think, start really ripping off wins here. Like I, I think if if he can just figure it out, if it, not have these weird old things happen, I think Tomac starts ripping off a lot of wins. Cause JT, I think you're right. They're tranquilizing Anderson and just be like, dude, don't worry about it. You know? So that's a prediction. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the table's set for UI to win a lot of races here. And for Anderson, he's going to be kind of like, yeah, so what? How about it? Go for it. Um, you would hope. The only thing that can really upset the apple cart here is if Anderson can't keep his composure. If he lets emotion get the best of him. And just like, you know, kind of like this past weekend where Eli gets out front, Anderson's like, no, no. Like, I'm a points leader for a reason. I have a red plate. I'm going to chase you down and he ends up on the ground because of it, that's the only thing that could really change the, the you know, yeah. complete outcome of this series. Um, if he can just keep his head and be like, yeah, do whatever you got to do, you know, you've already, you've already dug your hole, this, this championship's mine for the taking, then, yeah, it's going to be a long series for the rest of these guys. Um, yep, I agree. What do you think, Weege? Agree? Yes, the table is set. He'll probably win a lot of races. But at this point, we know that you cannot guarantee anything with Tomac. Any result is possible. Yeah. 13th, 1st. DNF, DNF. I was. Uh, I don't know. I was talking to a high-profile Cowie guy. I think Weed. You can probably figure out who. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I was like, "What's going? on? Did you guys ever think like how bad is this?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's gone amazingly bad. We had no idea. This is terrible." <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> you know. So, anyways. Uh, well, uh, Eli said something in the press conference, and you've alluded to this already, Steve. Where it's like he just any of these teams. Any of them. I mean, can you imagine Roxon 13 months later is back at the same damn hospital with the same doctor getting uh-huh. hand surgery on the other side? Like, and as you said with Tomac, like Cowie and Tomac motoring down for three, four months, testing, being as ready as possible, and then what, 11 minutes into the first main of the year, yeah. it's done. Yeah, that is a roller coaster that I am off of now as a mecha- and former mechanic, and I am very happy because that is, that is life, and it is yeah. not fun. It is yep. not fun. So. so what Tomac said in the press conference was, he says in three months before Anaheim, he thinks he fell down one time. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, whatever, 11 laps into the first main, he crashes. And JT, I've heard you say that before. Off-season, when you're not racing, crashes don't happen a lot. No, it's, it's funny you mention that, because I got asked that by VIP this weekend. And uh, he was basically like, man, you know, every time I go ride, and I usually have at least one fall or what, you know, I fall over or do something silly and, how is it for these guys? Like, do they crash? At, you know, whatever. And I'm like, honestly, they could go weeks without crashing. Mm-hmm. Like, a crash in the off season is very rare, and it's usually they just fall over. Sometimes people have big crashes, but he's like, I was like, I most weeks I would go home and ride all week, and then come back to the race without falling over even once. And they would, they, <laughs> the guy I was talking to was just, you know, he's just an average rider, like every every fan at the races. He was just completely mind blown that that was the case. I could not believe that that's how it normally went. And honestly, if you watch the races, I, I can understand why, because people are flipping and crashing all over the place. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about the races, if it's the adrenaline or people pushing harder or just so many people everywhere. But, it's yeah, it's, it's not normally like that. Yeah, I agree. All right, everybody. Thanks for anything else, boys. We'll wrap it up here. All right? I got yeah, okay. to go. I gotta We're do, on to Tampa. I got to do something. We're on to Tampa. Next week, we'll do a straight pod on 250 Supercross and amateur racing. And then Weege and JT will hang up at some point. I'll just keep talking. It'll be great. Yeah, and Steve will be uh, fired from uh, his, his job. As um, they are well, heavily involved in amateur racing. I can do Facebook Lives from the races <laughs> to fill, to fill that in. 
Uh, thanks to Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out. Also, to Alpine Stars. I uh, love the guys at Alpine Stars, the A4 Chess Pro, and, of course, to also Maxis Tires, MXST Tire. We are going to get MC on this wrap-up pod, boys. It's coming. So I don't know which one of you I'm booting. I don't know how that's going to work, but MC is going to do one of these at some point. Maybe it'll be you, and we'll just do Facebook Live with him. That would hurt. That would hurt. Ooh. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. JT, Weech, thanks, boys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, and, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I just pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey,